first reading is from Psalm 50, verses 7 to 15. Okay, I'm sorry, I've just got a message. There's um, been a serious incident outside. If anybody's got a white Yaris um, vehicle, HY62JKZ, could you go outside and speak to the police, please? Just before I start the reading, I just... uh, I want to pray for that. Father, whatever's happened, we just ask that you would be in the midst of it. Father, just be with all those. Lord, you know what's happened, and we just lift everyone involved to you now for your perfect peace, your healing, and your comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first reading today is from Psalm 50, verse 7 to 15. And on the screen behind me, or on page 572 of your Bibles. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I do not rebuke you for your sacrifices, or your burnt offerings, which are ever before me. I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice, thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honour me. Page 1163 of the Church Bible. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that they might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, but he who gathered little did not have too little. I thank God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. 
and we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. What is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering, which we administer in order to honour the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. I'd like to invite Mike, and we're going to pray for Mike um, just as he leads us into, into what God has laid on his heart. Holy Spirit, would you fill Mike now? Would you fill him with your presence? And would you anoint him, Lord, as he shares um, what you have placed on his heart, Lord? We thank you for the vision that he has, and we thank you for the love that he has for you, Lord. We thank you for the leader he is. Holy Spirit, come now and fill him and open our ears, Lord, to what you have to say. And would you, um, would you spur us into action, Lord? In your name we pray. Last, w- sorry. Last week, um, I shared with you a little of uh, where we've got to um, with our vision as a church. Um, have you got my um, PowerPoint um, section? Have you managed to suck that up? Excellent. Okay, so um, up on the screen here. Okay, never mind. doesn't matter. So God is calling us, I believe, to, uh, in the words of Jesus, to go and make disciples uh, in Sancy and Portsmouth and to the ends of the world. And we used the picture last week of uh, the Portsmouth Harbour, the idea that we should be a haven to protect those who come blown by the storms of life, um, a shipyard to rebuild them, for a, a new voyage, ship stores to reprovision them for the journey, a training base to equip them, and a strategic headquarters to commission them and send them out. But in order to do all of that, we need some serious port management, some operations management, some, someone full-time to oversee what we do here uh, in church, to, to oversee the the plant, the building, the structures, the human resources, uh, teams and ministry, um, the uh, uh, recruitment, and the day-to-day practicalities of church life here at St. Jude's. And next year, we're going to need the, the third member of, of the trio at the core of our um, staff team, uh, the staff uh, senior leadership team, um, a full-time associate vicar to oversee house groups, and, uh, and ministries, and uh, outreach, and pastoral care, and the day-to-day ministry of the church. 
And of course, these two together are really going to uh, be demanding on our financial resources, so that's going to require us all to increase our regular ongoing month-by-month -month giving. If you weren't here last week, you wouldn't have got uh, one of these uh, little brochures that tells you more about uh, all of that, what we've got in mind, the vision and, and, and the plans. Um, perhaps you could put up your hand if you didn't come last week and didn't get one of these, and I can uh, get Fran to hand them out. Fantastic. So today offers us a chance to respond to that vision, the vision that we were hearing last week. And uh, for me, um, this, this step of the vision um, is so important to me in, in, in building who we're going to be in order to be able to respond to God's call here in South Sea, um, that, that I'm investing my time now in, uh, in recruiting for that operations manage, manager. And uh, I'm hoping that we're going to be able to recruit by Christmas. And that means that this new person will start, um, start being part of our team in the new year. And that's so important for me um, that I've decided to, um, to postpone my sabbatical, which I was going to take uh, in the first quarter of next year and push it off to the first quarter of uh, 2016 so that I can be here to help that new person bed in and understand their, um, you know, their place, their responsibilities, and to kind of build that new teamwork. So that's part of my response to the call of this vision. Today also gives me uh, my twice-yearly opportunity, I only get two times a year, uh, to speak about giving. As always, it's not my desire to whip you up so that you give more money to my plans. Although, if you happen to do that, that's, of course, great. But that's not the point of tonight. The point of tonight is to explain why giving is so important in discipleship, so important for Jesus, that he spent more time talking about giving than about pretty much any other topic. Why is... Why is giving so important? Some people get cross with me. Whoa, oh, I thought there was a screen had come up. No. Some people get cross with me when I talk about uh, giving, and I guess that's not surprising because um, giving touches something very deep inside us, something very important, significant. Positively, money gives us power. It gives us the power to control our own lives. It gives us the ability to, to ensure ourselves and, and those whom we love against, against the uncertainties of the future. More seductively, it also gives us some of our, of our kind of, well, our more seductive pleasures. It gives us the opportunity of power over other people and greed and self-indulgence and a sense of our own importance. Apparently, when the Vikings came to this country uh, a few years ago now, and uh, they first came up against Christianity, and many of them were converted, became Christians, and they were told that they needed to be baptized. So the plan was to baptize them in the rivers of England. They were clearly a, a very hardy breed, uh, rather tougher than uh, most of the people 
I get to baptize these days, except that we've got this new idea of baptizing people in the sea in October, which seems to be the kind of the current Viking, you know, sort of following our forebears. Anyway, when, when these guys uh, were being baptized in the river Derwent and Ouse and, you know, whatever they were over on the east of the country, um, a number of them, when they went down into the water, they'd heard that being baptized in the water meant they gave everything to God. And a number of them decided that um, that was not going to work. And so when they went down into the river, they kept their sword hand up above the water so that as they went into the water, they kept the sword hand for themselves because they kind of thought that being oppressive conquerors in a country, that they might need their swords again at some point in the future. Well, these days, uh, nobody that I've baptized in the sea has insisted on keeping their sword hand up above the water. But I think some of us, when we kind of baptize, get baptized, when we commit to following Jesus, we kind of, we kind of leave our wallet hand up in the air. And as we go down into the water of discipleship, following Christ, we're kind of saying to ourselves, accept my wallet because I might need that in the future. Martin Luther said, we each of us need three conversions. We need to convert our heart to follow Jesus. And then we end up converting our mind to think like him. And finally, we get around to the conversion of our wallets, which actually puts everything else into effect. Well, Jesus had spotted that couple of thousand years ago, and he spoke quite strongly about, well, very strongly, about holding back our money from him. Jesus went so far as to call that uh, idolatry. No one can have two masters, he said. No one can serve the Lord God and the God of money. Well, tough words. So let me give you 10 quick principles about money, which we can find in these two readings which we just heard. How can money be a help to me in my discipleship journey and not a hindrance? How can it be a delight and a joy and not a struggle? Okay, first principle, everything in the world belongs to God. So God, speaking through the psalmist, said 3,000 years ago, the world is mine and all that is in it. The cattle on a thousand hills are mine. You may think it belongs to you, but in fact, it all belongs to me. Uh, A number of us have had uh, children at a young age, and um, you can perhaps either remember in your own um, family story or children that you've seen, and uh, two small children very happily playing with a toy together. The toy doesn't belong to them. They didn't go out to work and earn it and buy it themselves. They received it as a gift, and they're playing very happily together. And then one day, one of them decides they want to play with it on their own. And then all hell breaks loose, literally. And the other one grabs, makes a grab for the toy and pulls it to themselves to say, no, this is my toy. I want to play with it on my own. 
My um, nephew, who's now um, in his 20s, uh, when he was about two or less, um, had a very telling phrase that he shared with us. He grabbed a toy, pulled it to himself, and said, share, share. Because whenever his older brother had had the toy to himself, he'd been told share, share, which means give it to David. So David thought that the word share meant give it to David. Okay. We have this same inherent problem in all of us. That when we have things, we want to say share, share, meaning I want to keep this stuff myself. But actually everything that we have has been given to us by God. We came into the world with nothing. We brought nothing with us. We have created nothing out of nothing. Everything that we have is given to us by God. So what does that mean? Principle number two, that means we give thanks for everything that we have. Everything that we have is a gift and therefore we give thanks for it. That's the principle that we're working on when we say grace. That's what we're trying to teach our children, that's what we're trying to teach ourselves when we say grace at the beginning of a meal. What we're saying is that everything we have is God's and we give thanks for it, even this plate of food here. Yes, I may have gone out and bought it for myself, but in the end it's a gift. It's a gift of farmers, it's a gift of food producers, it's a gift of the person who's prepared it. It's a gift of God to me. And I am grateful that I even have this food to eat this evening. So all things belong to God, and therefore we give thanks for everything that we've been given. The next principle that we have in the psalm is that we can trust God because he will, he will save us, because he will give us our needs. Call upon me in the day of trouble, says the Lord. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. So the more we trust God the more that we find him faithful. The more we trust God, the more we demonstrate that we are prepared to commit ourselves to him for the future. And the more we therefore live out our discipleship of Christ. So that's the third principle. We can trust God for our needs. The fourth principle is, comes out of all of that and is that we don't actually give to God anything. So when I kind of loosely say, you know, give God your money and put it all in the collection box, actually that's not quite true. Because we can't give God anything. Because God already owns everything, created everything, can create anything he needs and doesn't actually need, you know, a ham sandwich or our money, we can't actually give money to him. What we can give to him is our lives, our hearts. And with our lives and our hearts, the capacity for him to use us as he desires. So we're going to see now four little testimonies. Just hold that. Here's a face you recognize. Okay. This is a face to inspire millions. 
All right. This is somebody with three of his friends speaking of his desire to give his life to the Lord, which in the end is the only gift that any of us can give. Thanks. Amen. Shall we give them a round of applause? So those four young guys um, prepared for uh, confirmation over these last weeks. And uh, Ben and Zach and Dan and Sam um, uh, all ready to be confirmed uh, by last week and three of them. Um, ben and Dan and Sam got confirmed last night. And it was just a thrilling moment to watch them giving themselves to Jesus. So if we're talking response Sunday today, that, in the end, is the core of our response to God. And we thank you guys for drawing us into that uh, gift of yours to God and reminding us that that's the core of who we long to be as well. So uh, the others got their... Um, that little gift this morning. Sam, come up and receive our gift as a church to you. This is a Bible. It's got a, a lovely letter. In, it's a sole survivor Bible, so it's got a letter from um, Mike, signed Mike. And I thought if I put my name Duff on the end, you, you might not know that that was actually from Mike Pilavachi. Okay, anyway, Mike Pilavachi asked me to give you his love and say, read that every day, and God's blessing will flow through you. So well done, my friend. God bless you. Yeah. So if we can't give to God, if we can't manipulate him as the, as the kind of Israelites at the time that the psalm was written were trying to do, excuse me, um, if we can't give to God, then we can't manipulate him. Um, so who are we giving to? So we give to other people. We give not to God, but to others as he directs. So Paul is saying in, in his letter... I thank God who has put into the heart of Titus this compassion that he has, this commitment that he's got, this same concern that I have for you. So God puts into us the concern for others, and we give to others on behalf of God. So we can't actually give to God, but we can give to others as God directs. So then the next principle is, 
Um, who, what are the kinds of things that we give to? Who are the kinds of people? Well, there are three things that come across very strongly in the Old and the New Testament. Um, one we hear in the Old Testament that we give, the, the Old Testament passage that we just heard, the psalm, we give to those who are in need. And much of the giving that we do as a church is funneled towards those who are in need. As Paul says, your plenty will supply their need. There are other reasons that we give um, in, uh, in, in the New Testament, um, in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we particularly hear very strongly um, the, the importance of giving for the organization and the uh, orchestration of the worship of God, the organization of his people and their life together. And we talk, we've talked quite a lot about that in the last couple of weeks, um, that we give towards, towards blessing the people of God so that they can be a blessing to God in worship and to others in their, in their ministry. And thirdly, uh, and the New Testament is very strong on this, we give so that we can share with others what we have received. So specifically, the gospel. We give to share the gospel. So three, three ways that God directs us to give to people in their need, to the people of God for their worship and their life together, and for the sharing of the gospel, the spread of the gospel. Now, when we give, God is interested in two things particularly. He's not particularly interested in, um, as it were, the color of our money. You know, he's not interested in the kind of quality of, of, um, of the sacrifice that we make. He's much more interested in what's going on inside us. So, um, people in the, in the, the people that, uh, that the psalmist is addressing, they were bringing good stuff to God, and God was saying, I, you know, I haven't got a problem with the sacrifices. The problem that I have is with your heart as you bring the sacrifice. You think you're bringing these sacrifices to kind of, you know, with strings. This is, this is a problem that we, we very often have with our giving. Um, we have it with each other, and we definitely have it with God. We, we give something, and then we think, that gives us a claim on that person. I remember when I was quite young, um, an elderly aunt gave to my parents um, a big framed picture to go up in their sitting room. And the expectation that came with the picture was that picture would remain in that sitting room above the fireplace for the rest of eternity. And unfortunately, it was a really nasty picture that they did not like. But there were strings that came with it. And I think we very often do that with God. We give generously to God, and then we kind of think, you know, God, you should be really grateful to me for all that I've given to you. And we forget that first principle that it all belongs to him anyway, and we forget this next principle that God is not interested in the gift. He's interested in the heart of the giver. So as Paul says, the real question is, do we give willingly? Do we give gladly? As he says in another point, do we give hilariously, hysterically, as if it's incredible fun? Do we just give because we love giving? Or do we give kind of grumpily because we feel compelled or manipulated as if we've got to give? God isn't really interested in those 
kinds of gifts, grudging giving. So he's interested in the heart and how willingly we give. He's also interested not in the absolute amount that we give, but in the relative amount that we give. Let me explain. So um, Jesus, you'll remember, was watching some people uh, coming up to the temple, and there's a big offering box. I could go and get the offering box and put it here. And uh, as people were coming past, some of them were putting heaps of money. They were getting out their wallet and they were getting out the dosh, you know, because they were second-hand car salesmen, so they had wads of cash in here, you know, and they were shoving them into the, uh, into the collection box. And Jesus was going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this widow came along and she had nothing. She had a tiny little coin. And she put that coin in and Jesus said, that, that is a woman who has touched God's heart. That is a woman who has blessed God mightily. Because she's given not huge amounts of money, but everything. For her, this coin is her supper. That's all she's got to eat. And she's put it in for God's gift. That is what blesses God. It's the relative generosity of our giving rather than the absolute amount. But what that means is that we don't have to be held to account for what other people have. I don't have to try and outgive Bill Gates, fortunately. Okay. <laughs> what I have to do is to try and outgive Mike Duff last year. Yeah? What God is interested in is whether I'm a more generous person this year than I was last year. So Give generously according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. Nearly come to the end of my ten points. So ninth point is that God requires us to keep our vows. This is very significant through the Old Testament and again in the New Testament. That the promises we make to God, God puts serious um, weight on. So making foolish and quick and kind of slipshod promises to God and then not keeping them is a bad idea because God takes our promises really, really seriously because, because God takes our word really seriously. That's basically that's saying God invests huge value in us and when we say something to him, he believes us. He, he receives that promise and so he holds us to it. So that means we have to be really careful, firstly, to make sure that the things that we're going to promise are things that he wants and they're not rash. There are some really rash promises that are made in the Old Testament that turn very nasty. So we need to be careful to pray through the promise that we're making to God. But when we make a promise to God, having prayed it through and determined that, we need to do our utmost to keep it. So God says through the psalm, Keep your vows to me, and I will save you on the day you call out for me, and you will give me honor. And finally, last point. Paul's part of the deal, as he's encouraging the Corinthians to give for his, um, for his, uh, his, um, appeal across uh, all the churches of, um, of uh, the Middle East for the sake of the, city, the, um, the church in Jerusalem. 
Paul's promise to them is that he will deal well with the money that they give. He will handle well the money that's been given and demonstrate to them clear accountability for their gift. Paul says, we want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift. For we're taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. So the way that we do that at St. Jude's is to make two separations. Okay, and the first separation is the separation between those who decide how the money gets spent, the money that we have all given to St. Jude's, how that gets spent, and between those who receive the benefit of that money. So that's just the normal separations you'd expect in the governance of a, of a charity or any organization. We do our best to stick with those and to make sure that we remember that the right people don't vote and walk out of the room and, and so forth. We do all of that stuff. And we're accountable um, through our auditors for, for the money, um, the way that we spend it. We try and do that so that we are transparent to you and before God. The other separation that we make is between those who urge you to give more on God's behalf, that's me, and those who know what you've actually given, and that's not me. So that means I can say to you guys with a kind of clear conscience, you should be giving to the Lord as much as you can. And you know that I know that I don't know what you actually are giving. So that means I can say that to you without me speaking individually to any one of you. So what that means is that I, I know that some of us are tremendously generous and tremendously liberal in, in the resources that they have given towards the um, rebuilding of the, um, of, of the roof here and towards the ongoing ministry needs of the church. I know that there are some who are tremendously uh, liberal with, with the money that they give. And I know that there are some who are tremendously generous with the small resources that they have. Some people have very few resources and they give out of that, relatively to that, hugely generously. And I'm aware of that. But I'm also aware that, as a whole, we aren't that generous with the resources that we have, and we could do better. We could, really, we could. But what I don't know is who's who. So that means I can say to us, we should be doing better than we are. And I'm not speaking to any individual person, and you know that. In fact, the only person whose level of giving I actually know is my own. And what I do know is that God is saying to me, Mike, you need to be doing better than last year. So if we boil down all my 10, 10 points, principles, into just four, I know that that means that I need to learn each year to be better at giving thanks for what I receive from God. And that stops me from grumbling about what I don't have. And it releases joy, Christ's joy, into my life. Secondly, I know that I have to get better at trusting God for my future and for the future of my family. 
And the great thing about that is it, it allows me to push aside fear because I can trust Jesus for myself and for those I love. And it also demonstrates my love for Christ, that I am prepared to trust him even when life is tough. Thirdly, gratitude and trust together release generosity. Allow me to be more generous. And I know I have to get better at being more generous than I have been before. And releasing towards Christ, towards Christ's people on his behalf, and for the purposes that Christ share with, shares with me, the resources that I have. And I know that Jesus loves that in me when I do that for him. And finally, I need to learn better to be honest. Honest before God, keeping the vows that I make to him, and honest before you as your leader, ensuring as best that I can that our systems of um, administering, receiving, spending, and accounting for the resources that you give are honest and transparent in the eyes of all. And as I grow in these attitudes, in uh, thanksgiving, gratitude, in trust, in generosity, and in honesty, I know that I'm growing closer to Jesus in my discipleship walk with him. And I know that he is able to bless my giving for his purposes and that it will bring honor to his name. And it will also help me to become part of the fulfilling of his purposes. The thing I absolutely love, I'll finish with this, about the story of that, um, that widow, that poor widow who had nothing to give but this little coin, is that poor as she was, she absolutely refused to be denied the opportunity of playing her part in the purposes of God through his people. She would not let herself be cut out from the blessing of being part of God's purposes. And that goes for me too. However much or little I have, I refuse to be cut out from the privilege of being part of God's purposes for this congregation, to be those who are making disciples of all nations in South Sea and Portsmouth and to the ends of the world. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we know that in the end we have nothing to offer you, nothing of any worth to you except ourselves. And we thank you for the gifts that Ben and Dan and Sam made to you last night. We know that you love those gifts more than anything that we might put in an offering plate. Thank you for them. Thank you for the way that they blessed you last night. And we know that you're going to pour your blessing upon them. But Lord, we too get the opportunity to go on giving more of ourselves to you. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us uh, as we search our hearts before you to hear from you 
how is the way that we can bless you today and this week and this year? How is it that we can be more grateful for the things that you've given us? How can we be more trusting of your hand upon our life, upon our future? How can we be more generous to your people and to those in need? Sharing your gospel. How can we be more honest before you and before each other? In making sure that the promises that we speak with our lips are fulfilled in our lives. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for your gift of yourself to us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Would you go on transforming us on the inside so that we can walk more nearly behind our Lord Jesus and bless him and bless our Heavenly Father with the increasingly generous gift of ourselves in your service. Amen.